Don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm not one of of the bottle. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. You don't seem that happy that you've won. More than you believe. More than you believe I'm happy. It's already sh So you have not to say uh, I saw it was sh So you can try to... Um, yeah, that would help in a game like this. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Oh, you know already before you ask, that's a sh question. I like that, that, is, that you still ask it. You don't have to, you don't have to. I'm so happy, believe me. I'm so happy, happy new year. Lions, they don't compare themselves with humans. Three for me and two for them. Respect, 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 man, respect, respect. What's up? What's up? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's a marvelous Monday, especially if you're a Manchester United fan, as they finally lift the trophy for the first time in six years. As always, thank you for listening in to the Touchline Band. I'm your host, Leo, a.k.a. the Gutsy Greek, and I'm joined by my fellow Manchester United fan who's finally starting to sober up. What's up, Brian? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling clear headed. I feel like this is just the first of many trophies to come, but I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed every second of it because it's been such a drought when it comes to silverware. Six years since our last one, it felt great. We dominated the game, and especially after so many games of late and so many big ones like the Barcelona match on Thursday to play 60 hours later in a cup final against a Newcastle team who was rested. This is probably their only shot at any silverware this year. Uh, it was a fantastic performance by the lads. I'm happy to see this morning Marcus Rashford was indeed credited with that second goal, uh, not only because he deserved it, great move, but also because I did have his over one and a half shots on target, and that made it cash. But yeah, I mean, a fantastic performance from the boys, pretty much dominated the whole time. And like we've been talking about all season, even when you're an extremely good defensive side like Newcastle is, if you can't score, you can't win. And Manchester United were the better team. Yeah, I mean, listen, that game kind of played out exactly how I expected it to. I I hit Newcastle in the first half. And, like, mm -hmm. it lost, and it lost 2 nothing. So you'd think that it was the wrong bet. It was actually the right bet. You guys came out a little bit lethargic. You guys looked a little emotionally drowned before that mm -hmm. first goal. And remember, right before that first goal, David De Gea makes a phenomenal save that yep. kept it at 0-0. Alain Saint-Maximin was the player of the match on the losing side. He was brilliant. I mean, yep. he just – he torched whoever was in front of him. He was fantastic. Uh, but for you guys, I thought the player of the match was, without a doubt, David De Gea – uh, that save changed the entire complexion of the game, the entire complexion of the League Cup. Uh, but congratulations, first trophy, six years. Uh, you know, it, it must have felt really good to finally, like, end the drought. See, Manchester City fans don't have that problem because we've won mm. nine since the last time that you guys won one. That is true. So that I forget what it feels like to, you know, win a meaningless trophy and get excited about it. Like we, yeah, I mean, and you're right. Like our, our last trophy was, um, you know, uh, 2017 Europa. So a European trophy, um, you know, you know what that's like. Oh no, you don't. But one day you might, uh, you know, it, it was just great. I mean, the biggest thing that I took away from this is that one, the ability of the guys to be playing as much as they are and in as big games as they are, and then come out and put in a performance like that is fantastic. But also, it's got that feeling of the first of a lot more to come. Whereas in the past under, you know, Mourinho and, and our runs that we made under Van Hall and all of that, 
it, it felt like that was our one shot for that season, or that was our, you know, one thing. And then maybe we might challenge again next year for an FA cup or something, but now it definitely feels like the team as a whole, uh, you know, the club is totally bought into the 10 hog system and it's working at least as of right now. Yeah. And you guys are still involved in the FA cup, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yes, we sir. start premier league matches midweek that we're going to talk about big arsenal match that I have mm. strong feelings on. Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys just continue to chug along, continue to get better. It seems like the team is just blending. What is, what's the expectation now? Because technically mm. you guys are still in it for four cups, four titles. You already locked up one. Yeah. How many do you want this season to really call it a success? Because I feel like if you guys only get one, it's kind of a bit of a bust at this point. You know, I, I agree as well. Um, I think two is definitely the marker for, uh, success just because I mean we we have such high standards now because of the form that they're in um, but I do think that two is extremely impressive considering where we started the season I mean it was dismal it, it looked like we had no hope and and no future but also I think that outside of an incredible collapse we're not winning the title this year. So yeah, technically we're in the race because mathematically we're not eliminated, but like, I'm not looking at that as a possibility really, because it would take so much to happen from city and Arsenal, even if we win all the rest of our games in the Prem. So I'm looking at three cups with the FA cup, Europa league, and also uh, obviously the Carabao, which we already have. I think that if we were to get one more trophy, that'd be fantastic. Um, you know, I think that what really inspires me most is that, I feel like we've just started to turn it on. I feel like we're in third gear and we still have more to come. And I think that what excites me most is that next season, if we can pick up the same momentum all the way through and we'll be making a champions league run, you know, I just think that that's where my sights are set on not getting too excited, not saying we're going to do the quad this year or anything ridiculous, but taking the momentum from this season, getting another cup final win, and then going into next season with, I mean, the world's our oyster with the most belief possible. I think that next year we will fully be in a title challenge. We will fully be going far in the Champions League. I think that, uh, you know, the, the sky's the limit if we continue doing what we're doing. And I don't see any signs of stopping. Well, uh, again, here's my main question. If you just get this one, if you just mm -hmm. get this one, you finish third in the Premier League, you lose in the FA Cup. We'll say you lose in a semi or a final. Yeah. And then the Europa League, you just don't win it. Whatever happens. Yeah. How do you feel about the season? I mean, I still feel incredible because honestly, like as a fan of United for 30 years, what I want to see is like a future and consistency. Like winning the Europa League in 2017 was great, but like it didn't feel like, oh, this team is back on track. You know, like winning the FA Cup against Palace. It's like, what a great win and how dramatic and extra time a man down. But like, it didn't feel like this is the start of something different. Whereas with Ten Hag, it's like what you see, what our team has done over the last six months, it's absolutely incredible. And I think it should make every other side in the Prem as well as in Europe nervous considering we're doing what we're doing playing games every three and a half days i mean you know it wouldn't surprise me if if we fall short uh you know in the fa cup or the europa league just out of sheer tiredness i get that but we can add pieces in the summer like if we had a true number nine striker oh my 
goodness. It'd be, I mean, like, you know, you're very lucky in having the best in the world in Erling Holland. But if we had that type of player, I love Osman to come in. I think this season is, it, it would be a kind of deflating feeling. But at the same time, I am in love with the style of play that we're doing, the sheer desire from the players to perform for their manager, to perform for the fans. You know, it's an incredible atmosphere around the club right now. And it's completely different than it has been for a decade. And that's, I mean, that's all I can hope for as a fan is to actually genuinely feel like, oh, for the next few years, or as long as we have Ten Hag, we will be challenging for all of the things rather than just like one thing here, one thing there. Yeah, I mean, listen, I completely agree with you. All right, let's talk a little bit of FA Cup here. The trophy that Manchester United have probably the best chance to win right now. I mean, if you look at the teams remaining, it really looks like a two-horse race. You have Manchester City, Manchester United, and then you still have Tottenham in there. But that's really it when it comes to the bigger teams. And frankly, Tottenham haven't been consistent enough to be considered a big team at this point. After that, I mean, you're looking at the likes of Brighton, Fulham, West Ham, Leicester, Leeds, Southampton. I mean, really the big six is gone, and it looks like it is going to be a Manchester City, Manchester United, hopefully final if the draw allows for it, which would Mm. be incredible. Um I don't see any type of massive upsets here when it comes to going after the trophy. I mean, do you see anybody looking to make a run here? Uh, The only thing I'd say is that the FA Cup is always one of those like magical Cinderella moments that happens every single year. Um, But there's opportunities here. I don't like if I'm honest with you, I don't think Bristol City will get by Manchester City. I don't think that'll happen. If West Ham managed to beat Manchester United, I would chalk that up to exhaustion from Manchester United. But I I don't see that happening. Where I do see some possible upsets is Sheffield's been decent, uh, you know, obviously. And Tottenham, like you said, is just so all over the place. They look good, then they look terrible, then they look, you know, great. Um, I could see that being an upset, but also some of the other sides in here, you know, it it wouldn't surprise me if Blackburn uh, beat Leicester, but in terms of the actual long run of it, again, depending entirely on the draw, it's hard to see anyone but City making it to the final. And then, you know, you'd have to give it to Manchester United or Tottenham uh, to the side of that, but you never know. I mean, there's a lot of factors to be played in here and the FA cup is famous for big upsets and things you do not expect. I think that we're going to see, uh, a really shitty draw as well for the quarters. So I'm not excited for that if Manchester United get through. There just always seems to be like that matchup you wanted to see in the final that they don't, that you see too early so that some other Cinderella type story team can get further along. Like it wouldn't surprise me if it was City Spurs or City United in the quarters, but hopefully not. Uh, hopefully both our teams get through and we get some kind of electric final. I want to ask you about this. Because March is coming up, and for us Americans and us degenerates, March Madness is the best time of the year. So much fun to watch. So I want to ask you, when it comes to the FA Cup, mm-hmm. would you rather a bracket or a draw? That's a really great question. I guess I'd rather a draw because mm, that's a really good question. Mm. I guess I'd rather a draw just because it gives more of a chance to the, you know, lower seedings. Like, you know, because if you have City, like if you do the one through 16 on either side of the bracket and City's playing the number 16, I mean, it's just, it, it's even less of a chance of anyone else getting it, through but the top dogs. I wouldn't do it one versus 16. What I would do is have seeded teams, right? 
uh, mm. kind of like what they do in tennis. Take the top, oh, okay, yeah, 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 top four, top eight seeds, rank those guys, and after that, it's a draw. Mm. I I kind of like that idea. I think that's really exciting. Like just the idea that also bracketology is so fun. Every March Madness, no one ever fucking gets it right. But like the idea of trying to pick out, ooh, I can see the future down the line where this team might stumble, who might be their, you know, problems and stuff. But I think the benefit of the draw as well is that it takes away any sort of home field advantage or something because what is great about the FA Cup is that someone like Bristol City will get TV time, which means their club gets money, but also they get, you know, a, a giant club like Manchester United or, or Spurs or Manchester City, you know, like Manchester City, the Premier League winners going to Bristol to play there. Like that's incredible for their fans. It's incredible for, uh, you know, the lower teams in terms of the money that they get. So I think that's awesome. But if there was a way that you could, you know, neutral field it and all of that um, in terms of playing you know, legs at either side. It just, when it comes down to uh, the final, that'd be tough. But yeah, I mean, that'd be a really great way to do it because also it would just avoid so many of these, like, you know, Barcelona, Manchester United in the fucking quarters or whatever it was uh, in the Europa League. Like, you want to see that in the final? Manchester City, Chelsea, fourth round. Like, that yeah, should exactly. never happen. Nah. And especially now, where it's Manchester City, Manchester United, you should have those two teams seated. And if you want to make an argument for Tottenham, fine but city united the thought of that being a quarterfinal meanwhile it could possibly be mm. grimsby town and you know somebody else it doesn't feel right it doesn't sit well with i me. mean has. but then but then it does get that because uh, again if manchester city and manchester united play in the quarters which i can totally see happening but then you have grimsby grimsby town and fleetwood play in another quarterfinal Again, it's like you're giving one of these very low teams a chance to go further in the competition, make more money for their club, which means a lot more to them than if Manchester United plays Fleetwood and Grimsby Town plays City, it's going to be Manchester United and Manchester City in the next round, most likely. So it just, I think it gives opportunity to lower clubs to be able to get further. And also anything can happen in one game. So it's like if Fleetwood manages to just get the perfect draw every step of the way and somehow get to the final against Manchester City, and then just a miracle, you know, happens and they win it. They win it at the right time when it means lifting the trophy, as opposed to beating Man City in the semis and then facing Manchester United in the final. And it's like you're really asking them to beat those two teams back to back. Like, that's a very tough ask. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to tell you what, though. I am going to give the FA a lot of credit here for the way that they kind of scheduled out the games, especially on Tuesday, where it's 2 or this is all Eastern time, 2 15, mm. 2 30, 2 45, 3 o'clock. Uh, from a gambling perspective, sign me up, coach. I absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> I mean, it's going to give us like a little extra window to get an extra bet in. Yep. So let's kind of talk about the games. I mean, first, on those four games on Tuesday, do you see any massive upsets here? I mean, massive is a relative, relative term, <laughs> but. I think that there's definitely some opportunities in terms of, you know, I think there's some soft lines here. For example, <clears throat> pardon me, I think that, you know, Brighton and Brighton being such a massive favorite is something that I'm not going to be excited to bet. I mean, Stoke are kind of adrift, uh, but there's no way I'm betting Brighton at minus 220. I think that Blackburn are a live dog against Leicester. So I think that that's something that I'll find a way to bet, whether it be the plus one and a half or maybe a sprinkle on the money line, maybe a double chance, something like that. 
Um, but I mean, there's nothing that really gets me excited about this. I do like the Fulham line, even though it's a little bit short, but I do believe that they can uh, take it to Leeds pretty, pretty effectively. And then, of course, City, I think, will have absolutely no trouble sweeping aside Bristol. But my biggest like upset watch is going to be Blackburn versus Leicester because Leicester has shown some real chinks in the armor of late. Uh, and, you know, I just I don't like the way that their team has been going in the last couple of games. I'm going to tell you what, I totally disagree with you on the Fulham game. Uh, I think Fulham are so focused on the league right now. They're so excited mm. to be in sixth place. That team is in sixth place. Yeah, They're playing so well. And if you look at their roster every FA Cup game, they're really sitting a lot of their key players. They're not mm. really going for it. They're just happening to get really good draws and find ways through, which, I mean, credit to them. But I don't think Mitrovic has played in any of the FA Cup games. He's obviously their starman. He's the guy that scores mm -hmm. all the goals. I'm interested to see what the lineup looks like. And for Leeds, a team that's fighting relegation, but I think we all kind of expect them to stay up and find a way to stay up because they have so much talent. This is kind of a way for them to get back into the good graces of their fans and show them that positive things are happening. I think this game means a lot more to Leeds than it does to Fulham. I mm -hmm. love Leeds on the money line there at plus 205. I think that's a tremendous bet. Uh, I'm all over Leeds to advance, but I do want to talk about the Manchester City-Bristol City game. Well, let me let me just quickly respond because interestingly enough, I disagree with you in, for the exact same reason, though, is Leeds are in a relegation battle that I genuinely believe they'll go down because I think Everton will rise up out of that bottom three, and I can't see West Ham or Wolves dropping that many points, but hey, it could happen. I just think that Leeds are far more concerned with staying up in the Prem than Fulham is about getting sixth, especially with Liverpool right behind them. Uh, you know, only what they're one game behind them, three points, but with two games in hand, I don't think Fulham's really worried about the Prem this week, especially. I think they're looking for an opportunity to get a trophy and against a lead side that is currently reeling with their manager being, you know, the interim manager. And now they finally found someone. It's not anybody who, you know, um, people were expecting or wanted. So I think that Leeds is going to be focused exclusively on the Prem. So that's why I like Fulham. So it's interesting to see what we will get here because you and I think the same thing in complete opposite directions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, I just think Leeds is way more talented. I just think they're going to care more. I, I really do. Okay. But I think you're going to find my take on the Bristol City-Manchester City game interesting. Obviously, mm. City guy, obviously, I want to treble this year. And that's that's yeah. really where my expectation is. Like, I still think Arsenal is going to choke away the Premier League. I want a minimum of two trophies with one of them being the Champions League. I don't care which other one we get, but I'm expecting two trophies and one to have one with really big years. That's what I okay. want out of Manchester City. I think the FA Cup is going to be the easiest one. That being said, Bristol City plus two is really interesting to me. I think mm. Bristol City are going to be in this. I think Bristol City have a chance to force a replay here because Pep Guardiola has talked about how his players are starting to get fatigued. You see it now with Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne is the key player here. I mean, mm. listen, City came out. They beat up Bournemouth 4-1 last time out. That's perfectly fine. It was a good performance from us. They didn't really create all that much, though. Like, I, I didn't see the creativity. It was still kind of a lackluster performance, and we just scored four goals based off our talent. Yeah. Like, now we're going to play Bristol City. It's going to be in Bristol City. The place is going to be rocking. And this Bristol City, while they haven't performed all that well in the league, and, you know, you look at the table, they're, they're mid-table right now. They have now gone 12 games without being beaten, and they've yeah. only allowed multiple goals in one of those 12 games. They have yep. been stable defensively. They have been good. They're good coming forward. They've scored multiple goals in eight of those 12 games. 
They're not scared to come forward. I don't know what the hell's going on with Ederson. Hopefully he's on the bench. It should be Ortega and Net, uh, who's actually been pretty good. But our defense has been extremely leaky. I'll tell you what. I'm I'm at I'm definitely gonna take Bristol City plus the two. I feel okay. good about that. But I'm also gonna take the draw. I don't think City's getting bounced. I think that's absolutely asinine, but I'm gonna take the draw here plus five thirty for a little sprinkle. I, I think City are gonna be in for a headache here in I don't expect to see a really strong squad from us. I don't think De Bruyne plays. I'll be kind of surprised if Holland plays, if I'm being honest. I think it's going to be Alvarez up top. Um, and then whether it's going to be Grealish, Mares, I expect Phil Foden to be in the side. I don't know. I'm expecting a fully rotated side here. I think mm. Bristol can force a replay. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I can definitely agree with you. I was going to bring up the fact that they haven't lost since early January um and you know they've been very very decent however what I don't like about Bristol City is that when you look at the teams that they played against especially in recent form their last four games they've only scored one goal in each of them two of them ending in a 1-1 draw and even though they haven't lost they're scoring one goal against Norwich against Wigan Sunderland Hull these are teams that they should be able to score more against when you look at a side like Manchester City, whether it is a fully rotated squad or not, they are just miles ahead in terms of talent. And I think that when you take out some players, like, for example, if Erling Holland doesn't play, if Kevin De Bruyne doesn't play, you have a bunch of clarity within the side. You're not trying to force feed Holland the ball because he's Holland. You know, you're not trying to make sure that Kevin De Bruyne is starting every, uh, you know, creative possession because he's Kevin De Bruyne. I think that you have a bunch of guys trying to prove themselves to get into the side. And, you know, I like what I've seen from Alvarez anyway, uh, but I can definitely see how they take their foot off the gas. That's what I would be worried about if I was betting Manchester City is them getting a lead and then just kind of sitting on it. I do not see this being a blowout. I think the plus two is probably a solid call because I can see this being a 2-0 type of game. Uh, for me personally, I'm going back to what I had over the weekend and I'm taking Manchester City to score in both halves. Um, I've also been looking at Manchester City first half minus one. Uh, because I could also see a 2-0 halftime scoreline. And at plus 130, I think that's definitely, you know, a gamble I would take because I would assume they are going to rotate the hell out of this squad. But I think that they get some scoring early and then they kind of sit back and relax. So the minus one in the first half at plus 130 and to score in both halves, um, those are my bets on this game. There we go. Uh, let's bop on over to Wednesday. Obviously, your team is playing another important game. Uh, they actually yep. got a pretty bad draw with West Ham. I, we were just talking about it. This feels like a two-team race. Manchester United, West Ham. It feels like this could be a bit of a tricky spot here. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I think it's tough because you have the emotional win over Barcelona that I think galvanized them to win against Newcastle. But like you said, the first kind of 15, 20 minutes against Newcastle in the cup final, you saw some tired legs and it was a big chance and a goal that really got them going. But that goal was from a free kick. So it's, you know, burst of energy. And then suddenly we're ahead one nil that kind of made the team wake up a bit. But you can obviously see that. I mean, they're playing a game every three and a half days since Christmas. At one point, that wears on you. West Ham, they're adrift. I mean, you know, just talk about a team that you can't have any faith in at the minute in general, uh, you know, for their supporters as well. It's been very tough. And they are in a relegation battle. They're only two points off uh, the bottom, or excuse me, off um, relegation spots. So whilst I think that the league is definitely on their mind, I do think this is a big opportunity for them. I think that they're going to look at this much how you said 
you know, how you think Leeds is going to look at this as their chance to do something this year. You know, like in in reality, they're probably going to stay up. They have a decently easy run in uh, for their last, you know, 15 games here. But I think this could be a tricky spot. Now, I think tricky spot means potentially a replay, which would piss me off because it's another fucking game that Manchester United have to play. But I just think that overall, we're in incredible form, a fantastic side. We have a little bit of depth now, which is fantastic. I trust in Eric Ten Hag's ability to use our guys as best we can. So for me, I mean, I'm just not getting fancy with it. I'm going to think that this is going to be not a low scoring game, but uh, a game where we're not seeing too much back and forth. I'm taking Manchester United on the money line, plus the under four and a half goals. I think they're going to sit in tight and it plus money. It's evens. Um, I think that's a well-worthy bet because I don't see West Ham scoring too many in this one. If at all, I could see a uh, 2-0, 2-1 type of score. I'm going to tell you what. Um, I love what Manchester United are doing. I don't see them winning this game. I, I just don't. I just think, like you said, eventually it's going to keep uh, catch up to you. And it's not necessarily the three and a half days that worries me. It's the exhaustion of the emotional games, right? The Barcelona game, like you talked about, the cup tie that you talked about. I mean, you saw emotions pour out of that team. Everybody, yeah. especially from Rashford to Bruno to Luke Shaw to everybody that was on that team. They were emotional. They're fired up. And yeah. now you got to go play another game. And listen, I think the crowd can get them fired up a little bit. But at some point, there's going to be that lull after that first 10 minutes. And you have a West Ham team that should be fairly confident. I mean, they did beat Forrest 4-0 last time out. Danny Ings looked absolutely phenomenal. He scored a couple goals. Declan Rice, a monster mm -hmm. here. I don't see Manchester United winning this. I'm actually going to go. I'm taking West Ham on the money line. That is for sure. Hey, I'm going to take enough. them plus 460. I'm going to take them plus half a goal, which you can actually get at plus money, which stuns me. But my favorite bet here has to be West Ham United at draw no bet. You can get mm -hmm. it at plus 260 right now. There's a ton of value there. Okay. And if it ends up being a replay, then you can get your money back. But this is a West Ham team. Like you said, they're in the relegation battle. This is something that they're going to need to kind of get their fans back invested. Like, hey, look, something positive is kind of sort of happening here. Stay with us. If we can just survive, you know, we'll have this deep little cup run. Uh, I think West Ham's a really dangerous team on Wednesday. Mm. I, I totally agree. And like I said, I'm not I'm not uber confident about it because also it's a horrendous sandwich spot. I mean, we have the cup final, play West Ham on Wednesday, and then we go to Anfield to play Liverpool on Sunday and then back in the Europa League with Betis on Thursday then you know <laughs> traveling again it's just like it's a pretty tough spot but I I just I'm fully in on whatever juice Ten Hag is giving these boys whatever talks he's saying to them it's working and I'm riding that train until the wheels fall off also uh recommendation if you are gonna bet this and you plan on betting West Ham Better before lineups come out because there's also a decent chance that you're going to see a heavily rotated side for Manchester United. Um, <coughs> do you generally agree there? Uh, yeah, I mean, can't be that rotated because our squad depth is very um, interchangeable. You know, like, I mean, a, a fully rotated side would be Sabitzer, Garnacho, Sancho, and Rashford up front, you know, with Bruno and Fred and McTominay. And it's like all those guys played anyway at the weekend you know so i think uh there's a special person i'm thinking about, about in the uh back four though that that may get a look 
Yeah, I mean, I, Lindelof could come in if we need, uh, you know, some rest for the boys or, or Luke Shaw. But also you could have Luke Shaw sit and Malasia play. You could have Diogo Dallo start and Wambasaka come off the bench or vice versa. I think the fact that we actually do have a little bit of flexibility there is huge. But well, it uh, would not surprise me if you saw a good few changes to the lineup. Who else could start a center back? What? Luke Shaw, Lindelof, Varane, and Martinez. No, uh, no, no. That's not what I was thinking about. Harry Maguire's not starting. He might start. No, he won't. I think this mob said prediction. I think Harry Maguire is going to start this game. Nope. (laughs) I love how you refused it. Uh, Listen, I got one upset that I feel very strong about on Wednesday outside of the West Ham one. Leave it up to you. Knowing me as well as you do, which one am I going with for the upset here? I mean, I would hope that you're going with Grimsby Town, but... I don't know. Who who are you? I really want to take one of the smaller teams. Southampton, I think. Huh? I'm taking Fleetwood. See, like, I really want to bet against Southampton just because I'm so sick of Southampton, but I also know that James Ward-Prowse is going to shove a free kick down. <laughs> he has, like, five He has a personal already. vendetta against you. Dude, seriously. <laughs> oh, he's driving me insane with these free kicks. The free – I mean, he's the best free kick free – t- free? Kick taker in the freaking world. He's beat me that many times mm. I stutter when I say his name. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. I mean, he puts it. No, I'm not taking him. Screw him. I'm actually going Sheffield. I, I think Tottenham okay. is so inconsistent. Uh, you have a Sheffield team that it's pretty similar to the team they had up in the Premier League. Um, and you know what? They're actually playing pretty well. They look like they're going to get promoted again. I love the team that they put together. I love McBurney, by the way. McBurney's an absolute monster. I love Billy Sharp. Uh, You have Norwich. You have Barge in the midfield. Johnny Fleck is still a good option in the midfield, too. I mean, this is a team that has quality across the board. They're going to have fans that are rowdy, ready to go. And then you have a Tottenham team. And listen, we all dislike Tottenham, and we all love to give them crap. They have bigger things to worry about. Like next week, they have a huge game against Milan in the uh, Champions League that they have to win at home. I think you're going to see a rotated side here as well because they also have another big game against Wolves who have been getting better. They're now in the top four. They know Newcastle aren't going away. I think this game kind of takes a bit of a back burner approach for them. So I'm looking at Sheffield here, plus half a goal, plus money. And I'm going to take them on the money line at plus 300 too. There you go. I mean, hey, I like I like Sheffield as well, not only because of what you said, but because they've shown some resilience. I mean, I don't know if you watched the, the second leg of their, you know, tie against Wrexham is just the the referees were doing everything they could to get Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney's team across the line and Sheffield just you know they had a goal disallowed for absolutely no reason but came back got two late goals to absolutely seal it it was fantastic I can see that and also if you told me on Thursday that Sheffield beat Tottenham 1-0 I'd believe you if you told me that Tottenham beat them 5-1 I'd believe you because Tottenham is completely in incapable of having any sort of consistency it seems uh and i like what i'm seeing from that the the teams that i just think are such a toss-up like southampton and grimsby town both are in questionable form who knows what's going to happen there you know i don't like betting those type of games where you just have two teams that don't deserve your money burnley the only reason why i could see them slipping up is because they're doing so exceedingly well in the league it's just like they may take this game a little bit easy and and I can see that happening because of the run that they're on and how good that they've been. But I 
I doubt it. It's just the one where I would, you know, be willing to take that at a plus 800 price, <laughs> getting Fleetwood to have some sort of upset or at least get that draw no bet. Uh, because plus 800, plus one and a half, either of those work for me. Burnley is not a big free scoring team, at least. They don't score too many multiple uh don't score multiple goals in too many games. I mean, if you look at their last few, other than the 4-0 against Huddersfield, it's 1-1-1-3-1-2. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's a deep price. I just think that it's very tough when you start looking at sides in the championship that are minus 350 favorites. Yeah, uh, listen, you actually mentioned somebody and it just made my skin crawl. Wrexham, I'm going to give you a hot take here. Tell me. I'm so sick of hearing about Wrexham. I hate I hate talking about Wrexham. This is a National League side. You know what? For as many people that talk about Wrexham, they don't even know what division the National League is. They have no relative clue. This is not a real team. This is not a this like this isn't a thing. You just watch them on Netflix. Like Ted Lasso only walking through the door. It's not a real life story, guys. And hey, newsflash, they're not even first place. So what the hell are you all getting that excited about? And they've lost to a championship team that was being screwed by the refs. The refs were giving them every call. I'm so sick of hearing about Wrexham. I'm sick of Netflix shoving that stupid show down my throat. And by the way, here's another hot take. Ted Lasso sucks, okay? I hate that show. It's not enjoyable. It's a fake show. And the girl, like, I just, no, 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 no. I've had enough of Ryan Reynolds. I've had enough of Wrexham. I've had enough of Ted Lasso. Stop it, you Manchester City wannabes. I hate you all. Yeah, I mean, I've been on this train for a long time. Like, it's great for Wrexham, the town, because, you know, they're it's helping their side improve. They're getting more money and all that. So it's great for the club. But it's annoying as shit to see just super famous rich people be like, hey, here's my new toy that I'm going to show off to everyone and treat like, you know, it's just I think that kind of sucks. And also like the fact that it matters. Like, I don't know if you saw, but Manchester United just confirmed that they'll be playing Wrexham in San Diego, you know, in a friendly this summer uh, in the preseason. And it's just like, why? Like, why? I mean, I, I understand that it's, you know, growing the game and every year, you know, all these teams play a lot lower sides because, you know, it, it's a deal that they make and they do these preseason tournaments and all that. But it's just like, I don't know. I, I think we're kneeling down so much to these fucking people about a side that they don't care about. It was just the only one they could buy. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, pisses me exactly. off. Exactly. I'm no just jealous. I want a football club. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Maybe we'll be able to afford like a third third division like USL team. Maybe oh, one day. Yeah, everybody listen to this enough time so we can go buy a USL team. Like, it'll be great. I'll go. We'll document everything. It'll be a blast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but no, let's talk a little bit Premier League here because we actually got a couple big games. Arsenal, Everton, last time these guys played, you absolutely nailed this. Uh, you're going to be as ballsy enough to take Everton again? You know, I, I don't think so because of the revenge factor. I think that this is going to be another Arsenal win. Very, very shaky win at the weekend against Leicester. You and I both thought there'd be goals. There was absolutely none. We did have a few offsides uh, disallowed goals, so there could have been more. But, I mean, Arsenal definitely looks shook. But the one thing they say, anytime you want to make a cup run, anytime you want to, you know, challenge for the title, 
you have to be able to win ugly. And that was about as ugly as it comes. I mean, they were the last 20 minutes. Oh, my goodness. It just was a wave after wave of Leicester coming forward. And then Arsenal countering so fast, so easily and not doing anything with it. It just there's so many cracks in this porcelain cup that is Arsenal's title challenge that I can see them slipping. I don't think that they will. But I just I can't really get behind them because they make me nervous how they seem to just kind of go to pieces sometimes. And and it's very odd. Everyone does. I get it. But they're young. So you just think that it can kind of set in when they feel like they're behind the eight ball. If they get down, it starts to kind of creep into their mind. What if we lose? What if we slip in this title race? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think this is going to be a spot where they really want to put an emphasis on the fact that Everton was, you know, one of one of those sides to beat us that nobody thought would happen. Uh, and I mean, I mentioned it to you when we were talking about next five games, how many points Arsenal was one of the teams that we talked about. And I think that they're taking 15 from 15 and this will be six. So I don't I don't see it with this one. I mean, yeah, this could easily be an Arsenal three no win. I think Everton could also stun them again. Mm. Arsenal are now starting to enter that Tottenham category where we almost don't know what to expect. And listen, they're getting the results. They're winning ugly. They're doing yep. they're doing a nice job, but they're not winning beautifully like Manchester City or Liverpool were doing for a few years, right? Where like you walked into it, and if one team dropped a single point, the title race was over. Like you knew it was done. Yep. Um, Arsenal are not in that category. They're going to drop points along the way. I think they squeak out another one here. I think they win this game probably 2-1. I'm not putting any money on it. I'm going to hope that Everton could somehow sh- shock it's a, it's a wild line considering they just struggled that hard against Leicester, and now they're minus 300 against Everton. The thing I do like here, which I will be betting just because of the price, but Arsenal are terrible defensively at home. I mean, they they concede at home so often, and I think the both teams to score because it's plus 120, it's just worth the sprinkle, even if you just do a half unit or so. But I just can absolutely see Everton getting one here. And the books have this, you know, over under set at two and three quarters. So they're expecting goals. And I, like you said, I mean, I don't see a three nil win here for Arsenal. I see, if anything, them to win three one, two one. I see both teams scoring here. Uh, but at minus 300, there's no way I'm, I'm betting Arsenal like that. No. No, uh, I'm excited to talk about the next one, though, because I can almost guarantee that we're going to be on the same page here. And uh, it's really going to determine our mood on Wednesday because I'm all in on Wolves here. This line is asinine. People talking about Liverpool minus 200. Are you people delusional? Have you people not been watching? Did you not see that listless draw they had against Crystal Palace? I mean, look at you nailed that one. Look at the midfield that they have in that game. Nabi Keita, who's been just terrible since he's come, okay? Jordan Henderson, who looked like he needed a walker at the end of the game. And James Milner, who I love, who I cherished for years, but is 37 years old. He doesn't know if he's a left-back midfield player anymore. Sometimes he likes to play up top if they want to take off Mohamed Salah or Luis Diaz. I mean, this team is a mess. Diogo Jota did not play well. Mohamed Salah looks old. I mean, Cody Gakpo, he looks fine, but he's not creating goals the way he was in the World Cup. And uh, Joe Matip was horrendous. Trent Alexander-Arnold was horrendous. I don't know how anybody could possibly have confidence in Liverpool, not to mention the fact you're now going against a Wolves team that has taken seven out of 12 points in their last four games. They've looked tremendous. Their only loss was to Bournemouth, and that was just 
bad luck. I mean, they dominated the entire game. And, oh, by yeah. the way, Wolves have actually done a really good job against Liverpool this year. Not to mention their 3-0 win last time they played. To take Wolves here is the absolute dunk of all dunks. You're getting them plus one at plus 104. I don't know how drunk the bookmakers could have been when they made this line. Sign me up. Thank you for paying my rent this month. I'm in. All right. I mean, emphatically saying... I'm not going to be as confident as you, but I'm definitely not betting Liverpool in this situation. I think, if anything, what I really like about this game is I think it's going to be tight in KG because people also forget. I mean, I know Wolves had that 3-0 win, but they got so robbed in the FA Cup by Liverpool because apparently the VAR wasn't working there. They got so robbed that it's just like, I, I can just see them hating this side and wanting to win at all costs solely because of this awful little bullshit thing also i mean also they're down towards the bottom of the table so they need points here i think that this is going to be tight and cagey i think this is a situation where we see uh you know a pretty low scoring game and the fact that you can get it under three i think that's you know a pretty good look there uh i'm looking at the under three at minus 140 you can get the under two and three quarters at minus 108 but that's where i'm looking because wolves in general are going to be a more defensive side and you're just not seeing the free scoring team that, you know, of old that Liverpool was, like you said, I mean, they've looked pretty garbage, like take away the Real Madrid collapse. They've looked pretty bad going forward. And I don't expect that to change all of a sudden overnight, because why, you know, like they don't have anything to build on. You would think after a game where they got smashed by Real Madrid 5-2, they'd come out with a lot of fire. And what did they do? Nil, nil draw. And you called that. You said exactly that would happen. You, di you didn't think that they'd be able to handle that kind of pressure, and they did not. And so what? They're all of a sudden going to turn it on midweek. And keep in mind, I said this about Manchester United with West Ham. Liverpool are looking to the weekend where they host Manchester United at Anfield, and they don't want to get embarrassed by Manchester United. It's their biggest rival. They don't want to sit there and get you know, blown out 3-0. Not that I think they would, but still, it's just like, that's going to be weighing on their mind. So I like the under here, and I definitely am not averse to your play at plus one for Wolves. Boom. All right. So that wraps up everything in England now. For those of you that don't know, we are living in America, opposite ends of the country. That's cool, though. The MLS is back. I do want to touch on it a little mm. bit. I meant to touch on it on Friday, but we had a very spirited conversation on Friday. Uh, for those of you that haven't checked it out, make sure you guys check it out and give us a follow on TikTok to the Touchline Band podcast. Uh, the MLS, did you check out any of the games this weekend? Uh, I didn't because I was so wrapped up in the Prem and obviously the Carabao Cup. But, you know, I've obviously looked at all the results since because there's a couple of sides that, you know, I follow and I'm excited about, you know, I've always been a big Sounders guy. So seeing them get the 4-0 win was pretty exciting uh, yesterday. But yeah, I mean, they, one thing that I do love about the MLS is it's always unpredictable. I'll say that much. And uh, we had some good games yesterday. Uh, the one that I did catch the highlights of that I liked was uh, the DC United and Toronto game. That was pretty end-to-end -end stuff there. Absolutely love to see it, especially with a ridiculous 90th minute Christian Benteke goal to get the draw at 2-2. And then eight minutes into stoppage time, you get the DiPietro winner. It was just a wild game to see. Um, but, you know, that's the MLS for you. I'm going to tell you what. This MLS deal, and for, for a long time, I was really a big fan of the MLS. Like, I was a fan of the MLS when the Reds mm. were really, really good. Sharif Joseph, Taylor Twelman, Dempsey. I mean, 
I've always loved the Revs, even now when they have Heal, they have Gustavo, they had mm. Matt Turner for a good amount of time. Uh, now our new goalie, Petrovic, has been really, really good. I like watching the Revs, okay? It's where I, where I grew okay. up. Like, I love going to Gillette and seeing the games. Let me tell you something. This Apple deal could be catastrophic for the league. Oh, no. Oh, no. This this deal could be catastrophic. And people are looking at the money amount saying, oh, they're going to get $250 million a year annually. Like, that's amazing. That's awesome for the league. That's this. That's that. And where's the money going? Where Where's the money going exactly? Because when you break it down, the salary cap, which, again, a salary cap in soccer – blows my mind it blows my mind in every sport but especially this one i'm not talking about financial fair play you want financial fair play fine i'll give you the stupid financial fair play even though i plan on breaking every one of those rules but to have the apple deal and still have a salary cap set at 5.2 million dollars a season 5.2 million dollars a season okay and sure you can you can grow it a little bit Basically, you could grow it up to almost $10 million. $10 million for a salary cap. That is disgusting. That is insulting. You will never be able to grow a league like that. It's never going to happen. You can't attract fans like that. There are too many. And not to mention the fact, now there are just too many damn teams. Okay, yeah. the, the product is completely watered down. The, the product is just trash. And it's the occasional name here or there. There's no actual philosophy in the league. Every big league you look at, okay? or any league that actually wants to take soccer or football seriously, you see a general philosophy in the league, okay? Mm. You see none of that in the MLS. It's all attacking. It's zero defense. I mean, that goal by Austin that they let in where they, the guy literally just passed the ball to the wrong team and goes, oops-a-daisies, here's a free goal for you guys. I mean, it's so unbelievably bad. And listen, people keep saying, again, to go back to the salary cap thing, you need to sign big players. You need to sign younger players to come here and develop them. It's not something that they do. They actually do the complete opposite. It's a retirement league. It's always been a retirement league. And frankly, it's always going to be a retirement league. You look yeah. at a guy like Lorenzo Insigne. I love Insigne. Insigne is a quality player. He's a top-notch player for a long time. He's on the back end of his career. He's earning $14 million a year, okay, because he's one of the designated players. $14 million. That seems like a good amount, right? Yeah, it's not bad. It's on the top 50 players in the world, okay? You do not have a top 50 player in your league. Yeah. It, this Apple deal that's supposed to bring all this money, what I'm trying to tell people is it's not going to the right places. Whoever owns the MLS is making a boatload of money and chilling on it. Mm. And not to mention the fact that now your biggest issue with the MLS has always been exposure, okay? Yeah. Because the MLS – for years has been competing against college football in the NFL on Sundays, especially during the playoffs, which blows my freaking mind that they can't figure that part out. Okay. So your biggest problem is exposure. And now you're now making the product harder to watch and more expensive to watch. You're not even really yeah. showing any free games. You're going to get a couple here and there, but now you're going to charge me six ninety nine a month for Apple and then $80 to watch the entire season. When last year your rating sucked and you were on ESPN plus for six bucks a month, period. Yeah. But now it's yeah. supposed to get better. I mean, without actually big, bringing in better players. Well, the biggest thing for me is exactly, you kind of nailed it anyways. At the moment, the MLS is such a clear retirement league. And that, I think, is challenging for bringing in any young talent because they don't see it as a way to grow their game, but as a way to kind of settle it down. 
Um, also, when you look at the talent level of any just general MLS team, it's not the best. Uh, I think that the best way to grow it, though, is to have MLS squads start to play, you know, European sides in, you know, preseason tournaments, but in meaningful ones. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I also think that, again, it's, it's you know, why people hate the idea of the Super League and all of that when there's no relegation or anything. It's like once you're kind of mid table, it doesn't mean anything anymore because you're not going to win a trophy. So you just kind of stop caring. If you're bottom of the league, you're like, oh, well, we're done for this season. Better look next year. Like there's no incentive to try every single game halfway through the year. So I think the biggest thing that they need to do is to develop some sort of way to incentivize teams to be good throughout maybe it's the you know having that mid-season tournament or or finding ways to um, monetarily incentivize teams to do better even if they're not in the title race but yeah I mean the hardest thing for me is just watching you know guys come over here that are over the hill that couldn't get a minute in a championship side and they come to the MLS and are just picking dudes apart and it's like I mean they <laughs> That, that just speaks to if you have a 35 year old striker coming in because, you know, he got released from Bristol City over in England and then he comes here and is just destroying the MLS. It's like, yeah, that shows that the talent level just isn't there. And all of our best players, all the Americans best players are going abroad to get better. They're not going to the MLS. So, I, I mean, I completely agree with you in that regard. I just think that the product is like it's a beta, you know, it's like watching the G League. It's it's not even a, the G League, dude. It's it's worse than that. I mean, I, mm. we are coming up on what I think is the golden generation of American soccer. Okay, I really think that this has the potential to be the golden generation of soccer. Which of those players started off in the MLS? Any of them? Yeah. Any of them? Well, no, but that's my point. Is like, exactly. what's the what's the incentive to be in the MLS unless you've already proven yourself and your name and just like like. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that I brought up Benteke's name is like scoring an important goal is just wild. You know, like, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that the MLS has a very clear way to grow without bringing in some exciting young talent, but also, more importantly, improving the overall, you know, ability of the sides. And a good way to do that is to show it on an international level where you have cup competitions in the summer or something where... You know, you get them playing a Burnley, you get them playing Wolves and stuff like that. And you see, oh, like these sides that are considered not good over in England are just walking all over us. Yeah. And I mean, it's just it's a shame, too, because I really want to get behind the league. But it's just it's so mm. bad and the quality is just not there. I it's mean, just they, not there. and especially and again, competing against college football in the NFL, mm. the NBA and the NHL have figured it out to an extent. We're not competing with those guys. Super yeah. Bowl Sunday, you see anybody playing? No, you didn't see anybody playing. Conference championship, you see anybody playing? Even college basketball wasn't playing. My God, nobody was playing. Everybody knows Sunday belongs to the NFL. The MLS says, no, 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 we're going to put four playoff games on a Sunday, guys. Buckle up for craziness. Nobody's watching. Absolutely yeah. nobody's watching. I will take Jags-Ravens over a Rebs playoff game all day, every day. No questions asked. Ridiculous. I mean, I don't know if I'd go that far, but at the same time, I definitely think they they operate as though people think the MLS is the most important league, or at least right up there with all the other ones. And oh, in MLS, like you said, I mean, it, it, you see it. I see it so specifically because I love the NHL and NBA, especially for betting. But they have a very even thing where it's like Tuesdays 
all the NHL games are on and only a couple NBA games are on Wednesdays. They flip it a couple NHL games, but all the NBA games. So it's, you know, it's just about the fact that they don't have a product that's worth switching over from something else because it is such lowly. I mean, like I would rather watch championship and league one all the time, because when you watch the MLS, it, it looks like, I mean, the number one thing to look at when you watch the MLS is a first touch. Like outside of the players whose names, you know, that have been elite footballers and are just kind of at the tail end of their career, watch young MLS players, their first touch. Holy Lord, my goodness. It's as bad as my first touch. Can I tell you what else drives me crazy about the MLS? What? The fans. (laughs) Why? Oh, the drums? There's no rational MLS fan. There are none of them that exist. They all think that their league is either top, like top five in the world. Or they're just non-existent, or they don't even know that the that they have a team in their city. They have no relative yeah. clue. You, I've never come across a rational MLS fan in this whole story that I've been listening to my entire life. Oh well, the league is getting better, and you can't just grow it overnight. Fine, that's cool. Y'all that's been a league now for yep. thirty years. What you waiting for? The the salary cap is still five million dollars. Go find me. Go find me the best player that has gone for five million. One player, not the whole team now. Not the whole team. Yeah. One player that has gone for $5 million or less that has been a superstar. It doesn't exist. This league is run by Mickey Mouse and greedy mm. owners. You guys need to get your head out of your ass. And MLS <laughs> fans, stop shoving this stupid product down my throat. In reality, it's like watching high school soccer most of the oh, time. God. I, I can't. I Dude, I hate the MLS fans. I'm actually banned from the fort. I'm not joking. The four is the revolution's like section. Oh, not to mention the fact that the New England Revolution have two different supporters groups. What? What? Okay. You guys couldn't figure out couldn't figure it out between one of you. You had to get two. I mean, Jesus. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And you know what? While we're on the Rebs rant here, shout out to Bob Kraft, the most fraudulent good owner of all time. Congrats, bro. You built your light. It's a real nice place. Patriots place is great. Guess what? You suck as an owner, dude. And finally, the New England Patriots, I finally started to expose him for the fraud that he is. He doesn't spend money. The Pats are always among the least amount of money spent every year. And for the New England Revolution, the only big signing that man has ever made in his entire life was Jermaine Jones, a 32-year-old central defensive mid that was supposed to change the world, right? The rest of them, he's all backed into. He sucks as an owner, but hey, we got Bruce Arena here. Okay, Bruce Arena that was playing for a new contract last year after they got bounced out – sorry, maybe it was two years ago. They got bounced out of the first round of the playoffs against New York City FC, and he's sitting there playing for a new contract if I'm back. Dude, who the fuck are you? You've been coaching in the MLS, all right? You're not you're not Pep Guardiola. You're not Klopp. You suck as a coach. Your main claim to fame is getting into the World Cup with the United States national team. Okay, pretty sure I can pull that off, dude. It ain't that hard. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, I feel. Oh like God. I want well, to put it on Friday. Yeah, I so get I, it. I'm hey. Well, now we have a bunch of games to prove you right. So, not like we'll be able to watch it. It's on Apple TV. I'm not paying for that shit. Do you pay for Apple TV? Yep. Oh. Not for the MLS, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you got to get two subscriptions. That's the best part. That's the part that just blows my mind. I don't need one subscription. I need two subscriptions <laughs> <laughs> to, watch, to watch high school soccer. Pretty much, yeah. But, hey, they got a lot of money coming in. Not like uh, it's going anywhere. Great job. Yep. MLS, you suck. I'll take Grimsby Town all day. Um, 
Oh, <laughs> uh, that 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 rant's going on TikTok later. I can yeah, do it. Do it. Yeah. All right. right. Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm I'm excited about this week's matchups. I I'm kind of excited too. Uh, not really. I'm more nervous. I I just don't want City to mess up the Bristol City game. I just I'm fine with a replay. Honestly. You have a cakewalk at the weekend. You'll be fine. Yeah. Honestly, it's not going to be a cakewalk. I'm going to save that for Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go Everton. Get please, please Everton. Yeah, seriously. Let's go Everton. Let's yeah. let's go Everton. Let's you go. You freaking Merseyside Blues. Oh man, do you ever see the highlight of John Henry during the Red Sox parade? Oh, yeah. He's like this. Let's get a chant going, everybody. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, Red Sox. Let's oh, go, Red And nobody chanted with him. It was one of my proudest moments as a Red Sox fan. That <laughs> person chanted with that dude. Oh, uh, I how he's not selling Liverpool, too. Dude, don't even talk to me about not selling teams. Jesus Christ. I love it. I can't, I can't get into this right now. I got to go. I got to get to work. I got to oh. do something else and not think about the Glazers right now. I can't. I can't. Live with it. We're not going to fuck up his good mood. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you on Friday. Peace.